Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. It's time for another episode of Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and this week I am very excited to be talking with NBC Sports Bay Area's Laura Britt. While taking us through her career journey, Laura talks about the importance of self-discipline, accountability, and authenticity. She believes comparison is the thief of joy, and she is absolutely correct. This episode has a lot of laughter, a lot of fun, and a lot of inspiration. You guys are absolutely going to love it. You're in for a treat, so happy listening, fangirls. Let's get to it. Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so happy to be a part of this. I've been following this podcast, and it's really exciting to be on it. Well, I'm very excited to have you. Laura and I really bonded in Miami when we went there to cover the 49ers in the Super Bowl 1,000 years ago. Yeah, everyone feels sorry for us right now. (laughs) Yep, everybody feel really, really sorry for us right now. It was very many moons ago. It feels like eons ago, but we had such a good time. Uh, And we really bonded. So I'm so excited to have you on the pod. And obviously, I've been following your work. Uh, We have been colleagues now for a while. And welcome to Get My Job. Uh, So let's jump on in and we'll start with, we'll we'll do an easy one to start with. Can you take us through your career journey in sports broadcasting and how you got to NBC Sports Bay Area? Well, how much time do we have? (laughs) We got as much time as you want. So the floor is yours, so to speak. Yeah, I'll um, I'll try and go Cliff Notes version, but I tend to get lengthy. Um, So yeah, I went to UAB, University of Alabama at Birmingham, go Blazers, and majored in in broadcasting mass comm and then uh minored in communication management in spanish which don't ask me to speak any spanish I that would be uh <laughs> terrifying so after that i i get this question a lot from some girls that i've been mentoring coming into the business like how did you get your first job what you know what tools did you use to get your first job and i think it's still around tvjobs.com is how i looked up um, just local TV jobs. And I started looking around and trying to find one that I felt I was a good fit for and, and was a good fit for me. And I applied to this uh, sports reporter job in Jackson, Mississippi on like a Sunday night at midnight. They called me at like 8 a.m. on Monday. I drove over on like Tuesday, took the job Wednesday and moved the next week. Oh, wow. So yeah, it happened really fast. And um, it's about a three and a half hour drive from Birmingham, which is where I'm from. So started at Fox 40 in Jackson, Mississippi, and it was a, um, a sports reporter and anchor job. And I did a lot of color covered, um, a ton of high school sports. That's really big in the South and did a high school football show on Friday nights and also covered Southern Miss, Mississippi state and Ole Miss. And then a little bit of the new Orleans saints. Uh, they're not too far away. So that's really where I got my feet wet kind of started at all. And also to encourage some people that are just getting in the industry, maybe, um, I didn't have a job lined up right when I got out of college. This was about six months after I graduated. So, you know, that's okay. That's okay in this business. Um, if that's the case, I'm around a lot of people that are, uh, doctors and nurses and engineers, and it's like, they have their jobs lined up, you know, six months ahead of time. And so don't feel like that has to be you in this business. Everyone has a different path and and great if it is, but um, that was not the case for me. So, you know, some patience on my end, just trying to figure out uh, where to go. And so after that, um, it turned into our, our station launched a morning show. And I just straight up went up to my news director and asked if I could be a part of it. Um, as you know, and, and a lot of you listening probably know, sports casts in a local TV station are like two and a half to three minutes. And I was the number two sports person. So the live on air experience that I was getting was really short. You know, it was 30 seconds, a minute, three minutes. That was max. And this morning show was a, a two hour morning show. And I saw it as a real opportunity at a young age to gain live TV experience, which is so valuable. And it really just can't be replaced. You can practice at home. You can practice in edit bays, which I did all of those things. But that live TV experience really prepares you for any and every situation that can be thrown your way. So I credit 
that uh, to really the foundation of everything I'm able to do now and the position that I'm in now. So from Fox 40, um, I went to Chicago, um, signed with an agency that had found me and met with them and it was a good fit. So they uh, passed along this information for a startup digital network called 120 Sports in Chicago. And so went and auditioned there, joined that team. It's now called Stadium and was there for mm. almost five years. And that was really like broadcast boot camp. It was called 120 Sports because we changed topics every 120 seconds. Oh, and like we were that. partnered with almost every league. So we would be talking, you know, NHL. And then the next 120 seconds, you'd have to, you know, cut to an MLB highlight that you've never seen that somebody dropped in on you as you were talking about the last topic from, you know, hockey. So it was crazy. We talked college basketball, college football, college uh, sports as in as a whole, and then also all of the professional teams. And you would host four hours of live programming every night. So you would do it in two hour blocks. So I would do two hours at one time, changing topics every 120 seconds, and then have a two hour break and two more hours. So it really was broadcast boot camp, And I studied so, so much all the time, was constantly reading, constantly preparing because of the live nature of it. You know, we were doing mm -hmm. these shows as sports were happening. So you really needed to know all of the storylines for the entire night going into it so that you could really be prepared. And then after that, um, that came upon this opportunity at NBC Sports Bay Area and have just been really happy to join the NBC family and everything I've covered, you know, since I've been to the Bay Area has been awesome. It's just been such a fun ride. My first, you know, thing to cover here was when the Warriors won their championship, their back-to-back, their, -back, their second championship. It was awesome. I mean, not a bad gig to have. I feel very lucky and not to mention all of the teams you get to cover with being in the Bay Area. So that's been really fun. I love it here. I love the people, the the weather, the the outdoors, all of it. It's it's so awesome. So that's the condensed version. Was that short enough? <laughs> that was that was perfect. That was perfect. But I'm going to unpack a couple things in that version. So you're going to get to talk about it a little bit more. There were two points specifically that I want to talk about that come up on this podcast. And I just like to reiterate it as much as possible. Number one, you when the morning show opportunity or when the morning show was being announced, how you went up and said, I want to do this. And I want to talk about how important that is to be your own best advocate because I think oftentimes we are afraid that maybe we are not ready. Maybe they're going to laugh. Maybe they're going to say, oh, you're not there yet. But how important it is to just really be your own best advocate and say, hey, I want to do this. Will you give me an opportunity? Yeah, that was a really big moment for me. And actually, I skipped a little bit of um, a setup to that was when I was working at Fox 40 in Jackson, Mississippi, there's a lot of like weather. And if you've ever worked in local TV or seen people or heard people that have worked in local TV, if it rains outside, it's like, everybody out, go cover <laughs> the tornadoes, go cover the hurricane, everything's canceled. Well, that was the case one night when I was working in the newsroom and everyone had to leave and go cover the, stor the storm. It was a tornado and except for sports, because if we needed the sports cast, I had to stay to be able to cover that. Well, my news director started getting a little worried that our main anchor was not back yet. And I told him this was before the morning show stuff. You know, I can anchor the news. And he was like, are you are you sure about that? And I was like, yeah, I can do it. I can anchor the news. And I anchored the news that night. And ever since that moment, I became the fill in nightly news anchor. So really, it was a few moments of just being confident in who I was. And now I look back at that footage, right? And it's like terrifying to see. <laughs> You're like, oh God, it's just cringeworthy. But you have to have those moments. You know, that's the beauty of being in a market where, you know, you don't have all the pressure. I, I wouldn't be able to do that coming out of school in the Bay Area. That would be, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have a job. Right. But you learn, you live and you learn. And I was confident in what I was able to deliver. I, I was confident that I would be able to go, you know, deliver the the nightly news. I, I kept the end goal in mind, which is, you know, people at home need information and I can deliver that information to them. And when I look back, like I said, it's not the best delivery, but it was it was there. And I really grew a lot 
after that from the morning show. And, and again, just having that live TV experience. But yeah, it's about being bold. This industry can eat you alive if you let it. But if you have a good foundation, you're bold, you believe in yourself, you know you know what it takes. It, it's a lot of nights, weekends. You don't mention all that stuff, right? When you're talking about this, it's um, a lot of, I, I covered high school football in the summers in July in Jackson, Mississippi, about a hundred percent humidity and about 99 degrees carrying mm-hmm. 60 pounds of camera equipment, shooting my own stuff. I wrote my own stuff. I produced my own stuff. I edited my own stuff. Um, it's really helped me now when a producer asks me for something, when an editor asks me for something, um, when a, a cameraman is setting up a shot, I feel like I'm a lot more helpful to them in, in the situation that I'm in now because I've lived it. I needed I, I, I needed things for myself when I was on the other end. And so now I understand what they're asking for. So yeah, being bold and really believing in yourself. One of our guests uh, in one of our earlier podcasts talked about covering high school football and talked about how invaluable that experience is or how, how valuable that experience is. Um, I'm not sure if invaluable was the right word there, but we'll just keep, we'll just keep it moving. We'll but how valuable, that works. how valuable that experience is because you really learn how to cover a beat. And in today's world, not only that, but like you just said, you learn to produce, you learn to edit, you learn to write and how integral it is to have all of those skill sets. But can you talk a little bit about that in terms of covering a beat and how much that's helped you along the way? Yeah, I think that's that's a great point that you bring up. It it was very difficult. This was really before Max Preps became what it is now. And I had never been to Jackson, Mississippi before I moved there. I moved at the end of July, you know, football started in August, and I was trying to research, you know, the Key and Peel skit that mm-hmm. that they have all the crazy names that they do. Yes, yes. Okay, that was my life. That was real. <laughs> In Jackson, Mississippi, it was all these like crazy names that I was trying to learn and pronounce in these these schools. Like I didn't know colors of you know schools. I didn't know mascots for teams. It was all about spending a lot of time, you know, asking my sports director, but also just just looking it up myself, writing Mm -hmm. my own shot sheets to try and figure this stuff out. Practice writing my shot sheets. Um, That really taught me a lot of you know, self-discipline. No one is giving me this stuff, but if I go on air and I don't know this stuff, who's going to look like a fool? It's going to be me and nobody else. So that really taught me, you know, to be, I I was already a go-getter. That's just kind of been me my whole life, but it really, it, it makes you hold yourself accountable because I do feel a responsibility to, even if it's at the high school level, you know, this might be the end of some of these people's career and it could just be the beginning of some other people's career, but I felt a responsibility to cover it and cover it well. The same responsibility I feel now at the professional level. So when you talk about preparation, you talked about it at 120 sports. You just talked about, of course, um, researching these schools, these players, these teams that you of course were not familiar with. Preparation is something we also talk a lot about on this podcast so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you learned how how to prepare and how important that is, and then how that's changed, if at all, during this time of uncertainty among COVID-19. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Every, you've got to find what works for you. So how I prepared you know, at Fox 40 for local TV is completely different than what I do now, just because of the... When I was in Chicago, the the sheer amount of information I had to know you almost couldn't prepare for you. Well, you definitely couldn't prepare for everything because it'd be MLS to NASCAR to golf to NHL to NBA. You know, there's just no possible Mm -hmm. way to know everything. So there for me, it was just consuming pretty much around the clock. I was reading articles constantly. I was, I read more than I watched because I felt like I could take notes a little bit more efficiently when I was reading. I would take notes straight into our, our program, which was iNews there. Uh, and, and that's what we still use now. And that's, I think it's key because I, I, I had an observation in Miami uh, going back to, you know, when we became really good friends in Miami, it's so easy to get consumed. You know, you're at the Super Bowl, right? Like this mm-hmm. is the biggest moment for those players, but it's also a really big moment for people like you and me and, and being surrounded by other media greats. And it's the biggest stage in, in the NFL and really in almost 
all of sports, um, definitely American wise. Mm-hmm. So it was a big moment, but I also had a lot of shows that I had to do. So you, again, you have to rein yourself in and say, I can sit by the pool. Sure. But I got to get my work done. And mm-hmm. really that just came de- comes down to knowing yourself and knowing what kind of notes you need. So we don't operate off of prompters at NBC Sports Bay Area. We didn't in, at 120 slash stadium in Chicago either. And that's been, you know, that was a big change going from Jackson to Chicago with that going from a prompter to no prompter. Um, and, and that's the way our business is kind of trending. But I know what types of notes that I need now after doing this for so long. And so I'm able to look down where I I have the nuggets that I need. And that's also mm-hmm. talking with my producer and really knowing the show in and out. And so I would just challenge people to to find. I remember uh, seeing sideline reporters and always being like, I wonder what they're writing on their notebooks when I was in college. And even when I mm-hmm. first started, like, I just wish I could see what they're writing. And the funny thing about that now is it's good to see how other people prepare, but really you need to, to figure out what you need for yourself. And that's what I've, I've found in this industry is that you've got to hone in on your skills and and what types of notes you need to ask good questions. That's really, that's a really good point. It's what you need. And something we talk about here a lot too, is being your authentic self and not trying to be the next whoever. And that comes down to your preparation. You need to prepare in the way that's best for you. Uh, and I think going back to what you said about working in high school football and us talking about being on a beat and all that, that's what you learn. And that's why it's important to kind of have those experiences and have those jobs. So you learn, you learn about the industry and the sport, but you also learn a lot about yourself yes. and what you need to do, which is important. So you talked a little bit about the footage when you look back on it and to you, it's cringeworthy though. I'm sure it's actually not, but to you, it is cringeworthy, but that, that brought up another question I had, and this is, always, I think, a really important important question. The answers vary so much. But what is a criticism that you received early on, though while at the time was tough to take, has really shaped who you are today? Well, I think, you know, criticisms can vary widely and they depend on who you're receiving it from. Yes. Twitter was not a a big deal. I don't even, yeah, it had started. It was, it was out when I first started in the business, but it was not as big of a deal as it is now. So I think a lot of people in this industry with all of social media, I mean, Instagram's a whole different story deal with that. That's, that's honestly not a struggle that I had with or have had yet. Luckily I haven't, you know, dealt too much with trolls. I've done a little bit of that, but not (laughs) not nearly as much as some of my peers. Um, Criticisms. I, from people that are outside, as in social media, people that you don't know, you know, quote unquote, the guy in their basement, you know, weighing in on your life. I I don't give that any value. Um, I, I don't listen to it. I don't care about it. It doesn't matter to me. Criticisms from mentors and from people that are my bosses that I respect, I have taken. And I do remember early on, I was always trying to go to the next thing. I was at Fox 40 and I was doing the morning show. So I was doing the morning show and I was doing sports at night. As you can imagine, that schedule was bananas. So I was waking up at like 3.30 doing a morning show. And then I was also coming, going home, napping, coming back at night and doing sports and the vicious cycle just went over and over again. But I remember I had a friend that had this awesome job and I was just like, Oh, I would kill to have her job. I would just love to have her job. How did she get that job? I want that job. And I remember talking to my mentor about it. And he was like, Laura, you are hosting a two hour morning show at 25 years old. What are you talking about? This is incredible. This is, this experience will help shape you for the rest of your career. And he was so right. And it's mm-hmm. so true now that I look back on it. And the, I had a really big moment with that friend. She contacted me one day, or I can't, I can't remember. We ended up talking. And I remember just saying, I just wish I could do what you're doing. And she goes, are you serious? I've been thinking the same thing about you. I'm just so jealous that you get to do this morning show. And I had this aha moment of the grass is always greener on the other side. Mm-hmm. She's sitting here wishing for the job that I had. And I'm sitting here wishing for the job that she had. And in reality, we just need to be content and happy and striving. Not that we weren't happy for the success of each other, 
but it's so easy in a visual and outwardly public job to crave and desire other people's positions. It's, it's really difficult in our business. And I think it's a important life lesson too, because you mentioned uh, Instagram, you know, briefly, we didn't talk too much about it, but you know, Instagram is a place where we look at what everyone else is doing. And of course, everybody puts their best stuff on Instagram and you could say, Oh, look at what he's doing. Look at what she's doing. I wish that I had that. And so it's true of social media, it's true of career. And that I think it's really an important thing, especially in this day and age to take a look at where you are. And if you're not happy with where you are, that's about you, not because of what someone else's path is or what someone else is doing. Uh, And I do think in this business, it's a, a really important lesson to learn and to really learn and understand Yeah, I actually haven't shared this um, outside of my close friends, but I do think now would be a good time and it's an important message to send. It's a message that I hold dearly to my heart and really live by. Um, At my previous job, my contract wasn't renewed and, and really the main reason was because I didn't have a big enough social media following. I've Hmm. never cared about that. It is a part of our business, but I'm not going to live my life to get social media followers. That's just not, you know, I want to do a great job on air. I want to be entertaining. I want to provide great content. Um, But my goal is to never go out and post, you know, a bunch of certain types of pictures to get people to follow me. That's just not who I am. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, that was hard for me in a sense. I I had a, I have a supporting husband and and a son at that point. Now I have three kids. So my, my life is a little crazy right now. Um, But you know, it was, it really held me to what I believe and what I hold to be true. And I still believe that. Um, but I think that's important for people to hear, especially people in this business, trying to make it women in this business and, and even men too, that you don't have to have a big social media following. You don't have to be somebody else to try and gain followers or that's a false narrative. You can be successful being you and being authentic to who you are and if I were to change any of those things, it wouldn't be me. And, you know, ultimately you need to go where you're wanted. You need to have enough confidence and belief in yourself. And I did at that point that that didn't matter to me. You know, if, if that's what you guys are after, go for that. You know, that's not me. And I think that's really important because you got to keep that authenticity throughout your career. And I think it's very clear on social media, you know, for some people, it totally works. That's who they are. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. But you can tell the people that it really works for and it's like natural and they're being authentic and those that are just trying and, you know, you don't, you don't want to see that. And you don't want to push that. If that's yeah. Not and I, I think it is good. If you have a big social media following, I do not hate you. That's not what I'm trying to say. I think that's great. Um, it just, it's all about, like you said, being authentic and having those followers come naturally and, and by virtue of you being you. And you're, you're great on air. You're very talented. You do an incredible job and that's what your priority is. And that that's what works. And I think that's why you've done so well. It's, you know, it sounds like you've always stuck to who you are and been your authentic self. And it comes through very much on camera. It comes through very much in your work in a very positive way. I love watching your stuff because I know it's you and you do a great job. So. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's, I think that's really important. You've mentioned being authentic a few times. Um, and, and again, with some of the people that I've been mentoring and just speaking to speaking to that have reached out to me, that's my main, my main message is being genuine, being authentic. If you're not, it comes through really quickly. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned mentoring and you mentioned your mentor. Um, Would you be open to talking a little bit about a mentor or mentors you've had in your career and how they've helped you? Absolutely. I think it's so crucial to success in this business because like I said earlier, it can eat you alive if you let it. Uh, Being prepared, knowing what to expect. Um, One of my professors when I was at UAB uh, also worked for the local NBC station in Birmingham and Um, me and one of my other friends who were in the class were super passionate about this. We both work in the industry now. Um, he was so helpful and it was the best class I took at you. One of the the greatest classes I took at UAB and he offered to go around and help me shoot my, my first resume reel to send out to 
uh, you know, potential employers. And it was on, you know, a professional camera. I got to go into the NBC station in Birmingham and shoot their nightly newscast with, you know, in a studio with their scripts, like all of that. It was, it was such a great opportunity. And he is a dear friend. I actually lived with his fiance for a period of time in Manhattan when I lived in New York for a little while. Um, he's just been a great friend and he's, you know, a few years ahead of me in this business. And so he has a lot of advice to offer. He went to Syracuse, which is a great education, you know, for broadcasting, um, lives in New York now and, and just has a lot of, he's always been a great sounding board for me. And I, I've, I think this industry, a lot of times with women, it gets so competitive and, that's again, just not really who I am in the sense that if I do well, no one else can do well. I think we can all do well. I think we can all make mm -hmm. it. I think we can all, you know, help each other and, and lift each other up. And that's what I aim to do with people reaching out to me is I would have loved to have had, you know, even more people in my life that were able to, are able to help usher me along when I was young and starting out. And it's so, it's so hard. I mean, it's a lot of long hours and hard work and all of that. And, He's just been such a great person to have in my life. And really that resume reel, I mean, we, we would drove around, imagine this, you know, he's working full time as a professor at a university and then took the time out of a, an entire Saturday and drove to different locations all around Birmingham to help me shoot a reel. You know, wow. that's, that's commitment to seeing, you know, seeing people in the next generation do well. And I loved that. And it's really stuck with me. That's awesome. So as, as a mentor now, um, what is a piece of advice that you give to people who want to start a career in sports journalism? Perhaps your number one piece of advice, not to put you on the spot, but no, I, think, <laughs> I think it's great. And if I had to narrow it down to one thing, I always say comparison is the thief of joy. Like I said, with my friend earlier, when we had that grass is always greener on the other side moment, it's so difficult not to constantly compare yourself and stack each other up in this business, but it really will just steal all of your joy away from what you're doing. So if you can try and be thankful in the moment for what you're doing and the job that you have and the direction that you're going, it's not to say don't have dreams and aspire to greater things. Just keep an eye on yourself and always be looking inward to what can I do better? How can I grow? How can I be a better sideline reporter? How can I be a better host? What would make me better at X? How can I be a better, you know, podcast host, um, a writer, um, digital correspondent, fill in the blank. I think that's the best way to go about it. I really like that comparison as the thief of joy. And I really, really like that. How basically it's, how can I be my best self? And I know it's something that we see a lot, but it's so, so important, which is why I tend to try to drive that home on this podcast week after week because it's just such an important thing. So you have talked about uh, the three kids and your husband. All of your children are adorable. That's just <laughs> a side note, but they are adorable. Um, so can you talk a little bit about also you've obviously you've talked about the long hours and that's part of sports. We work nights. We work weekends. It's, you know, we work on Sundays. We work every day. So can you talk a little bit about how you've been able to balance those long hours with your career and kind of what advice you would have for people in the same position? Yes, it is. Um, it is a challenge. I am not going to lie to anybody. So the ages of my kids right now, I had twins a little over a year ago. So they're just over one. And then I've got a three-year-old son also. So my life is, I will not sugarcoat it to anybody. It is crazy right now, especially with <laughs> coronavirus. We actually rented an RV when all of this shut down and drove to Mississippi. And God bless my in-laws, stayed with them for three months because our three-year-old, his daycare was closed. So we had all three kids at home. We were, we both work full-time, my husband and I, and we were like, this ain't working. <laughs> so, <laughs> Fair. Um, and we didn't with flights. We were too scared with little, little ones at the time. You know, no one really knew how it spread. Everyone was really scared. So I, we rented this RV. I like Cloroxed the whole thing <laughs> and we drove. It was, um, it was an adventure that's for sure. And it, that was, um, a really sweet time to be able to spend with family, you know, obviously in the midst of a really challenging time for a lot of people. So I, I keep that in mind, but I am thankful for that time with, with family. Um, it's a lot of just supporting each other. 
Um, my husband supports me. I support him. We're trying, you know, we have the, the twins home with us right now while we're both trying to work from home. I am taping this during their nap right now. <laughs> and our, uh, our three-year-old, his uh, school is back open. So he's there. You make it work. Um, and, and you figure out what works for you. I've always been a, like, put your head down and just grind it out kind of person. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Lord gave me twins because of that. He knew I could <laughs> handle it. That's what my friends always tell me at least. That's awesome. Um, but I just, I really try and take it one day at a time with them. I mean, if anyone listening has kids, you, you understand that it's, they can be angel children one moment. And then you're like, where did you come from the next moment? Um, and so I just take it one moment at a time and I really try and, and I'm trying to take this opportunity to really be grateful that I'm able to be here with them and do what I love. That's been a huge thing for me. This is just such a fleeing time that they're this, this age. Um, so it's been really sweet to be able to be here with them. Um, it's also chaotic when they wake up from their nap and I'm in the middle of taping a swipe update on Instagram too, Right, <laughs> um, but you make it work. Like I said, you know, you just, you make it work and you take it one day at a time. You take it one hour at a time. And all of a sudden you're at the end of the day and you're like, all right, let's tackle it. Let's tackle Tuesday or Wednesday. So COVID-19 has obviously affected sports. Well, it's, it's affected everything obviously. And so, um, not trying to make light of that, but it's obviously has expect, affected sports tremendously. We had the NBA shut down and now they're starting back up in the bubble. We've had MLB start back up and we've seen um, a lot happen there. You know, at the time of taping this, uh, a number of Marlins players have tested positive. NFL training camps are starting. Players are getting tested. So there's a lot of uncertainty in the world of sports right now and uncertainty in the world. How has that affected you professionally and personally? And and how do you navigate that? Yeah, it's really been a challenge. I mean, like I mentioned, we had to rent an RV and drive to Mississippi. And when I say had to, I mean, virtually we had to, (laughs) right? There was no other option. I mean, our nanny couldn't come anymore. You know, everyone was Mm -hmm. on shutdown. So all of a sudden we're home with our three precious children, but they're three and under, you know, it's, mm-hmm. um, it's like a zoo sometimes. And I, I you know, you want to be the best mom, you want to be the best wife, you want to be the best employee, I want to be the best host, you you can't be the best everything all at one time. That's been a big mm-hmm. lesson for me. You know, I can't be the best mom while I'm also hosting a show on zoom. <laughs> so having help, I've, I've always been really bad about asking for help. And that was, you know, this pandemic has, taught me a lot of lessons in that where it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to have help. And I had so much help when we were, were in Mississippi. So that's been a challenge just like every, everyone's dealing with for the most part, working from home, you know, finding different areas. I'm trying to create studio, a, a studio in my garage right now. <laughs> um, and we're like, how many months into this thing? Um, but since we were in Mississippi, you know, we got back here and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to set up ring lights in my three-year-old's bedroom by using diaper boxes and, you know, <laughs> tight storage containers. That's just what we're all dealing with. You know, that's stressful in trying to make the best content, but people are also understanding of, you know, everyone's kind of just trying to keep their heads above water right now. So it's been challenging in that I haven't been around the team that I cover. I, you know, we were Mm -hmm. training camp is about to happen. And like you said, major league baseball is going on and I love to really be there and get the sense of the chemistry of a team, all of those things, all the storylines that you hear about hearing the players, seeing them in person, how they look, how they're talking, all of that. So that's going to be a different aspect this season for sure. And it's, it's really just, trying to decipher things from Zoom interviews and take away what you can in that way. I I just try and keep a positive outlook on it in the sense that I'm thankful to have a job. I know a lot of people out there don't right now, and I'm thankful to love my job and to do what I do. So you make it work. It is a little chaotic, but you make it work. So with things being very different, kind of looking back on stories you've covered in the past, what would you say has been your most difficult story to cover? And what would you say has been your most fun? Difficult story takes me back to Fox 40. And it was a news story. I'll never forget this. Um, When I was on the morning show, after the morning show, 
I, I helped anchor the morning show, I would go out and I would have to cover news stories. Not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> the house fire. And I remember I had, I was shooting, you know, shooting at myself while also interviewing this woman whose home had just burned down. And I honestly just started crying and I put the camera down and asked her if I could pray with her because oh. it was just such a moment of humanity of like, I've, her house just burned down and I'm having to stand here with a camera and ask her questions. It was just really, I was young. It was a very difficult moment. And I just wanted to be there for her, the person. At that mm -hmm. moment, I didn't want to be, you know, shoving a camera in her face and asking all these things. So that was probably the hardest thing for me to cover completely unrelated to sports, but just uh, realizing that you can also be a human in this industry and, and you don't always have to be, you know, that's professional too. It doesn't, it's professional to, to care about other people. Um, that was the, the hardest thing. I mean, the most fun thing the Super Bowl in Miami. Yeah, that was pretty fun. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard to top that. We were there for 10 days. Um, we were there forever. <laughs> forever. I had, I slept in a hotel with, you know, with no, not getting woken up by a child for 10 days. God bless my <laughs> husband. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just fun. It was what you think of when you think of a Super Bowl and then the, the location was perfect. We did shows every night from this, um, it was like a, a bar restaurant. We had live bands there. We had artists painting murals. We are, you know, I'm studying by the pool, as I mentioned earlier, you've got Radio Row. There's just so many things going on. It was just a really exciting moment. And it was a moment for me where you're like, you know what, I've, I've, I've made it. This is awesome. This is a really cool thing. And I'm going to soak it all in. It's funny, people, um, because I am 49ers fangirl, people said, are when they lost, are you okay? And I said, I'm fine. It's, it's different now. I cover the team. So it's a different, you know, type of fandom for obvious reasons. And um, I felt very much for them. But at the end of the game, I had a job to do. I said, when I was somewhat like emotional, not super emotional, but when I woke up on Super Bowl Sunday, I was like, I've been a fan of this team since I was a little kid. And today I get to cover them in the Super Bowl. And That's that was so like cool. my moment of being like, this is so cool. And then I had that moment and I was like, all right, and now I got to get to work. I need to go through my notes. I need to, get, I need to get to the stadium. You know, we got there so early, obviously. We got to get to the stadium. We got to get to work. And, but that was kind of my moment. Um, and it really was cool. And I do feel very thankful. And I would imagine you feel this way too, because as we talked about before the pod, a few weeks later is when the entire world changed. And we had that 10 days, which was kind of incredible. Yeah, it doesn't even feel like that was in 2020. That feels like a lifetime ago. But yeah, and now, you know, who knows if things, things will look different. Mm -hmm. Even if there is a vaccine or when there is a vaccine, all of that. I mean, things are going to look, you know, differently moving forward. So I'm, I'm thankful for that experience too. And it was just so, it was powerful to be surrounded by a lot of great people in media too. Mm -hmm. Everywhere you looked, there were just people that you respect and, and love reading their pieces or seeing, you know, seeing their shows. And that was a really big moment too. I loved Radio Row getting to really sit down and talk to a lot of different people from all over the world of sports and really not just sports. So that was fun. And then the setting of the Super Bowl and everything that comes with it and all of the programming really that we did at NBC Sports Bay Area, I was so proud of. Um, it's a great thing to be proud of what you're doing and the team that you have. And it was just, it was really fun. It was, it was really fun. So we'll, we'll always have Miami, Laura. We'll always have Miami. <laughs> always have Miami. Uh, so I wanted to see if you could take us a little bit through a day in the life and you know, I've, I've asked this question often on this podcast, but I think in the last several months, it's even kind of more interesting to see how people do quarantine and how they make it work. And you've definitely talked about balance and the RV and being in Mississippi and, you know, the, the twins waking up in the middle of you doing a story for Instagram. But I would just kind of love to hear how your day goes and every day may be different, but um, we kind of would love to hear about it and see if there are any major differences 
from before quarantine, which I assume there probably are. Yeah, definitely major differences. <laughs> My day starts not by choice at around 5.45 or 6. I am not a morning person. Uh, you become a morning person when you become a parent. So um, it starts around 5.45 or 6. That's when one or both of the twins wake up. And so my husband and I kind of tackle that together and our three-year-old is still asleep. We come down, you know, start making their breakfast, hopefully get them fed before he wakes up. And then um, once he wakes up, it's all hands on deck. And that's really when everything kind of gets rolling. We get him fed, sunscreened up, off to school. Um, one of us will take him and the other will stay here with the babies. And um, And then usually my husband has a lot of calls that he has to be on for like in, sitting down in front of a computer. So I, you know, he does that. I watch the kids. Um, usually we get them down, you know, feed them a few more times, get them down for a nap. And then that's really when I try and grind out a lot of what I need to do for the day on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, right now I'm doing swipe updates. Um, they're on Instagram. It's a really cool concept that NBC sports Bay area and NBC sports as a whole has. Um, it's just little, uh, 15 second clips. Um, we do five stories and an intro and outro. So seven, um, seven pieces total. Um, I shoot those, you know, outside of my front door, <laughs> Love it. Um, have one of those ring light things, throw my phone on there, send it off to our graphics person. Um, it's a collaborative effort. We have people that, um, on our digital team that put in the stories, our social team, you know, sends it out and then I write and shoot. So it's really collaborative. I love that. I'm also been on some NBC uh, sports corporate calls working on NFL uh, content for NBC sports as a whole. So that's been fun. Um, a lot of it is doing calls while holding the baby and feeding another one and changing a diaper. <laughs> that's <laughs> really changed during quarantine. And luckily for me, I feel like this business and me just as a person, I'm a multitasker. So that's not as difficult for me. Um, obviously when I'm shooting stuff, I shoot the 49ers insider podcast with, um, Matt Mayoko as well. So that happens two times a week, um, which I need to block out about an hour of time to be able to, you know, shoot those on camera. And then I also host A's pre and post. So it's kind of a lot of every day looks a little bit different. It's a lot of juggling, um, babies and work. And that's, that's really how I've been able to find my happy medium. So uh, I try and get all my work done for the most part during their nap. And then in the afternoon, depending on calls, you know, my husband will watch them while I take a call and read a few articles and then we'll switch off. And then at night, you know, I'm watching A's games to make sure I'm prepared. And because I want to right. <laughs> um, watch a baseball game every now and then that's usually after we get everybody to bed. So a lot of my work is during the the twins naps and then once we get Marshall home from school and do dinner and all that, everyone's usually in bed. The babies are down around 6.30 or 7, and he's down around 8 or 8.30. And then we eat dinner and then start working some more. So a lot of it is working at night, too. It's really long days. And you know what? Some days at the end of the day, I crash. You just can't do it all. So totally fair. you just crash on your bed and you wake up and you tackle it that day. Um, that's That's where I am right now. But I am really ready to have some help again soon. <laughs> so hopefully that will be coming, uh, you know, once things kind of hopefully stabilize a little bit with coronavirus. And there are two things you've said around that that I want to just uh, reiterate. One being something you said earlier is you can't be the best of everything all the time. And that also some days you can't do everything and you just need to crash. And that is just fine. We yeah. all need to give ourselves a break on that. Oh my gosh, you just have to crash sometimes. It's just a necessity. Um, when you know you'll run yourself into the ground if you don't, and you just know when you need sleep and take it. You know, work will be there the next day, and that's something that you, I feel like this pandemic has really kind of thrown in everyone's faces. Is that because a lot of people are home with kids, you you just can't do it all. So you can juggle it, but just, you know, be smart about how you're juggling it and make sure that you're taking care of yourself. 100%. So before we get to five fun facts, I have one more question for you. And then we'll get to, of course, my favorite part, as everybody knows, I love fun facts. Um, so my last question for you, though, is how have you seen opportunities grow for women in the sports industry? And how do you think we can still improve? Oh my gosh, they've grown so much even since I started. Um, it's it's been really amazing. I think 
the opportunities have grown as digital, you know, media has grown, digital and social mm-hmm. media has grown because when I first got into the industry, it was still kind of a strange concept to have like a digital correspondent for a local newspaper or something like that. Those mm-hmm. opportunities are out there everywhere now. And I really feel like, you know, a lot of people can jump into maybe even a, a little bit of a bigger role because imagine being, you know, the the face of a newspaper for a city. I mean, that's virtually what you are when you become someone like that. And then also all these team roles, like the 49ers have Kiana Martin, um, you know, virtually all NFL teams, uh, MLB teams, NBA teams have a team specific reporter. Those opportunities have just expanded so much uh, just over the past 10 or 15 years, really 10 years. I think those are great opportunities for people you know, not, maybe not your first job, but maybe your second job. And if you can land at your first job, go get it, you know, go mm-hmm. get it, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but those opportunities weren't there before. So I've really seen that expand. I've seen a lot of people being more open-minded and more welcoming. And I think that's a big shift. When I first got in, not it wasn't a lot of women supporting other women. That was the case um, for some people. You know, mm-hmm. those people are always out there, but I'll never forget. I did an internship. I did two internships when I was in college, but at one of them, I remember the main, and I did my internship in news both times and it was a local station and the woman anchor asked like, oh, well, what do you want to do? You know, when this ended or when you grow up or whatever she said, I don't remember. And I said, you know, I'd love someday. My dream is to be, you know, sitting where you are. And she was like, don't say that. And was very negative And you know, it's going to take a lot more than you think. And it was just a very, I I remember this is a woman that's, you know, probably well in her forties and I'm a college kid. And I was just like, man, okay. Wow. (laughs) Um, I think that mindset and, and those people are out there, but that mindset seems to have shifted a lot more in the sense that a lot of women are supporting other women in this business. And a lot of men are supporting women in this business now too. And I haven't gotten as much flack from guys about, oh, do you know this stat or that stat or this stat? Um, I've seen that disappear a little bit. I mean, it's definitely still out there, but I think the opportunities are there and, you know, people, it's just go out and go get what you want. You know, I, I think women have the world at their fingertips right now and can really go get the jobs that they want and just put in the work, work hard, um, and, and go attain your dreams. That's what's been so fun about mentoring some people is there's so much light and hope and dreams, so many big dreams and these people's eyes coming out of college. And that was certainly the case for me too. And it's so fun to help usher those dreams in. And they're the ones doing all the work just to be there to lend, a, you know, an encouraging ear or, or a listening ear and an encouraging word, I guess. Fantastic. I like that. Just go get, go get what you want. That's awesome because we can, we all can. It's, it's very good. Um, all right. So it's time for five fun facts. Um, we all know how much I love fun facts. So uh, we ask the, every guest the same five questions at the end of every episode. So when you are ready, Laura, I will rattle them off. Okay. I'm ready. Let's do it. What is your favorite moment in sports? This is so easy. It was the return of UAB football. I cheered all the way through college at UAB, and I was so sad when UAB football got shut down, and I actually got to cover the first game back for UAB football. Stadium covered it, and they sent me down to Birmingham to, to cover it. It was, it was an awesome moment. Oh, that's fantastic. What is your life motto? Ooh, life motto. My life motto has been keeping faith as my foundation. Oh, I like that. That's awesome. What is your go-to workout? Okay, I have two. I'm cheating because not everyone has this in their town. When I lived in Chicago, it was Shred 415. They don't have that in the Bay Area. It's Barry's Boot Camp. I I love it. It's so awesome. All right. That is a great... Great workout. Such a good workout. What Do I is some kind of a discount for this? I should. 
You should. Mary's Boot Camp, if you're listening, she should totally, totally get a discount for this. Um, what is your go-to coffee order? An iced vanilla latte. All right. Delicious. And last but not least, what is a book every woman should read? I wish I had a better answer for this right now, but because my life is so insane, I'm not reading a, a ton right now outside of work, but I do have this daily devotional that I keep by my bed. And I'm going to have to like send you a text with the title of it. It might be Jesus Calling. I can't remember. But it's like a little snippet of a little devotional with a Bible verse. And it also gives you a question and some space to write. And it just sits on my bedside table. And it probably takes, you know, five minutes. And it's been really nice to have that, you know, at the end of the day, that five minutes of me time, if I don't crash at the end of the day. That's awesome. I like that. Well, Laura, thank you very much for joining me today. This was so fun. This was awesome. I'm, it's been such a joy to be on this, and I'm thankful to be a part of it. Well, we are thankful to have you. So thank you so much. And I know you guys are going to obviously have loved this episode. So please make sure to subscribe and write a review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, I will talk to everybody next week. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.